I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome back, Shepherds. This is your host, Tom of Robots. And Sam, can you believe that we're up to episode 67? Almost 70. Almost 70. In 70. In 70. In 70 <laughs> day show. Uh, but anyway, welcome back. This is our bonus episode episode this week. For some reason, I can't talk. Uh, welcome to the Math Effect Lorca. Math, math Effect. <laughs> the Math Effect. No, no, Mass Effect. Um, anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking about Anderson's origins with the Normandy on this bonus episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, Normandy episode last week. Um, but uh, we didn't go over its origins a whole lot. Where are we going with this, Sam? Yeah, you may you may remember at the beginning of Mass Effect 1, they talk a lot about the Normandy's shakedown run. Uh, that was the Eden Prime mission. Uh, but that means that this ship was pretty much fresh out of its training wheels mode. A shakedown run is, is something that they would do, you know, immediately after it's cleared for field usage. Mm -hmm. um, and it, so it wasn't commissioned long before then. Okay, so Anderson couldn't have really commanded the Normandy for that long. Exactly. Um, Anderson is commander, uh, commanding officer of the Normandy when we start in Mass Effect 1. And then within a few missions, uh, we assume that role. Yeah, it happens so, like right at the beginning. Yeah, like I think it's like right after Eden Prime. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you yeah. go to the Citadel. And then, right. Yeah. Um, so I was curious about who commanded the... Uh, who commanded the Normandy before Anderson, if anyone. Uh, and then I remembered that Anderson talks about this exact thing very briefly in his taped memoir interviews uh, that we can find in his apartment in the Citadel DLC in Mass Effect 3. Oh. He, he tells us that the Normandy's original acting commanding officer, Eli Zander, was kind of a dick to the Turians. <laughs> and and as we mentioned before, the, the Normandy was a joint project between the between humanity and the Turians. Um, and apparently the first command acting commanding officer of the Normandy was kind of a dick and played fast and loose with the special Tantalus Drive Corps. So uh, I, I won't delay any further here. Uh, we can listen to what Anderson says in this specific interview log. Well, while I'm letting the ads uh, play on the video, because YouTube. Um, <laughs> Quick, play me off, Johnny. <laughs> I, I, I just, I can imagine, I can imagine him saying, uh, I can't do his voice, but was kind of a dick to the Turians. <laughs> like, can you imagine him saying it like that? I'm going to contact Keith David and be like, can you record C.O. <laughs> Xander was kind of a dick to the Turians? <laughs> That's amazing. That would be the best. Okay, um, here we go. Hold on. Let me get the sound back up because I had to mute it during the ads. The Normandy, the Normandy SR-1. As commander of the Tokyo, I was consulted on the Normandy's design and on board for her initial training exercises. The average person probably doesn't know that the Normandy was a joint project with the Torians. Acting CEO, Eli Zander, was no diplomat. She ran out of patience with Torian posturing and politicking during construction. The chief architect of the Drive Corps, Octavio Tatum, and his team of Torian engineers 
were in the CIC for final training exercises. Tempers flared when Xander pushed the limits of the stealth system, waiting to vent the... IES, well past what Tatum was comfortable with. I tried to calm the situation, but it still ended with the Turian scientist in shackles and a human Turian fistfight at Korra's den later. Funny now, when I first laid eyes on the Normandy, she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Day after that training run, Admiral Wright found me on the bridge. She's yours, he said. Can't trust her to Xander. Send me a list of crew from the Tokyo you'd like, and prep for your first mission. Short command, thanks to Saren. Still, one of the highlights of a long career. So, uh, whoever recorded this clip couldn't stop running around the room, so you heard all those extra footsteps that, <laughs> for some reason, they just couldn't stand still. Yeah, believe me, uh, I looked far and wide. That was one of the best clips I found on YouTube. Uh, the most, uh, you know, easily, easily heard. Yeah. Um, so, um, and quick to note, the uh, Anderson talks about his work on the SSV Tokyo before then. And uh, we know from Dr. Chakwas that she worked with Anderson for quite a few missions, meaning that she was probably part of the crew that he brought over to the Normandy from the Tokyo. So she is part of Shepard's life because Anderson liked her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, but, but that's beside the point. The, the overall arching point from what we just heard from Anderson was basically the Turian designer of this drive core, Octavia Totem, or Tatum, I think, uh, and his team of scientists were basically chilling near the galaxy map during a test run when the Alliance officer in charge shouted, more, <laughs> like, like <laughs> Kylo Ren in uh, the new Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Xander basically flew off the rails. So... You know, my guess is that they probably protested and warned uh, Xander that she was about to cook everyone alive uh, because she was waiting too long to vent that heat that we talked about last episode. Mm -hmm. She's just waiting too long. Uh, and then when they protested, she probably put her down, put her boot down and said, I'm not going to listen to some Turian. This is my ship, you know, um, right, right. like an authoritarian dick. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Man. Yep. So, um, and then <laughs> some, some scientists, some Turian scientists, for some reason, end up in shackles and then they have a fist fight in Korra's Din later, uh, between humans and Turians. So, uh, I love the way that they wrote this. Um, I, I love the, I love the level of detail that they put into this seemingly minor detail. I mean, like if they hadn't put this in, would you have questioned it? Yeah, no, like it's, it's one of those things that like you totally could have skipped and never brought this up and just left it as like a, a hole in our knowledge. Right. Or just left it to the player to assume like, yeah, like Anderson was just assigned to the Normandy at some point. Right. Like it's, it's this, uh, color stuff that, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's these little things that show up in the games that make them feel so lived in. It's these yes. little details that create what feels like a realistic world. This idea that, like, if Anderson was a real person, he might want to share this story with Shepard because he they're friends and he wants him to know a little bit more about the history of how things actually happened. And, you know, what was going on before Shepard showed up on the scene, like just be, just like right. friends do. They kind of fill each other in on like, well, I know you don't know this story yet, but here, here you go. And not exactly a heroic story or a story right. that anyone would be proud of or, right. it's just you know, worth knowing. 
Right. It's just a funny thing that happened that someone might tell you, like a friend of yours might tell you at a bar. Um, and uh, it's interesting that they, the, speaking of bars, it's interesting that, he, that the writers throw in the fact that the Turians and the humans get into a fist fight later in the bar. Because that, that implicates that it's not just this standalone event that they wrote in the lore, that it's this ongoing thing with bad blood and tensions that linger after the, effect, like after the event, which makes it feel more real. Yeah, well, and it matches things that we already understand. Like, it matches this, like, oh, yeah, of course they got in a fist fight because there's tension. You know, like, it, it falls into our our understanding. It kind of slots in there real well. Right. Yeah, exactly. The, the lingering tensions from the first contact war. Uh, and Xander probably was guilty of having some of those as well, especially if Xander was already the acting commanding officer of the uh normandy yeah from the get-go then that means that xander probably served in the first contact war right i think you know it also kind of sets it up in a way that make us thankful that it was anderson we were dealing with here rather than xander right yes yeah oh my god can you imagine had anderson not inherited inherited the normandy i mean imagine if mass effect was you know as shepherd you didn't have this positive role model who got uh shit canned Mm -hmm. uh, and someone that you felt was a hero but instead you just had a terrible boss (laughs) right right i mean we've talked about the you know how awesome anderson is and we did a few episodes on him um but can you imagine if like even if anderson had a different ship but it wasn't the right ship for Shepard, and they were like, "Well, we really should get you the Normandy, but now we got to ask Xander if he'll give it up." Like, <laughs> it turns into a terrible, terrible deal. Xander's like, this no. douchebag. <laughs> yeah, like, well, we can't even go ask Xander, so there goes the fate of the universe. Sorry, Shepard. <laughs> like, Xander wasn't a fan. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you can appeal, but <laughs> right, it's going to take months of uh, you know litigation and whatever you know political crap we have to go through in order to get this to work out and by then who knows what <laughs> the inner inner <laughs> species politics are going to be like whatever um that would almost be like a comedic kind of mundane uh, story within the mass effect universe like like this impending doom right but everyone's so absorbed with their own system that they have in place that they're like well we gotta go within the system right right like reminds me of don't look up that yeah, movie on Netflix. absolutely. Absolutely. Like our own, our own like nature and our own political garbage gets in the way of us actually doing the obvious things that would save us, you know, like clearly Shepard needs a badass, awesome ship because he's got some important stuff to do. But I love, I love the corporate spin that's put on the asteroid in that movie and don't look up, mm-hmm. uh, when the, the Jennifer Lawrence's character goes to their parents' house and then <laughs> they don't let her in because they're like, your father and I are for the jobs. The asteroid will create. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh we don't God, agree with your so politics. Funny. So I'm sorry. We're just not going right. to get along right now. Hilarious. Such a a Um, commentary. Yeah. A a Mass Effect uh, Don't Let's Up version where like you get, you know, be really funny is if somebody modded the game to it it be completely all the same stuff until this point. And then Anderson's (laughs) like, well, I'd give you my ship, Shepard, but uh, it's a piece of junk. We need to go talk to Xander. (laughs) And then like, there's like this whole long stretch of you trying to convince Xander to give give you the Normandy and it's all these like side missions that are just like political garbage like write a letter to the senator (laughs) 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 
<laughs> Who would play Xander in that? I'm thinking the starship merchant or the 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 speed racer merchant from Star Wars. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The, the he's got the accent with the little wings. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, it'd be somebody like somebody kind of slimy. Um, oh, you know who would be real good is um, the guy from Game of Thrones that was the head of the. Uh, uh, oh my god, I can't remember names. The old guy who is like the oh Tywin Lannister. Tywin Lannister. Yeah, I was and thinking, he's just um, like mm, just deadpan like no, <laughs> like we need a ship. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> just like okay. I I was thinking uh, who's George from Of Mice and Men? That actor that plays George. I don't know. I don't know. Uh crap! It's gonna bug this shit. He's Lieutenant Dan in uh, Force. Okay, Cup. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know his name. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lieutenant Zan. Lieutenant Xander. <laughs> there you go. There you Lieutenant Zan. Well, you know what? We've got we've got some uh, a review to read out. Um, so why yeah, we, we go, got a lot. And and the planet card. So why don't we go do yes. that? And then we're gonna come back and we're we'll talk more about Anderson and the Normandy. So hang on tight. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right. So we're catching up on some reviews. So let's see. We've got, uh, I see at least three. I know you've got a fourth one listed here. Um, let me, yeah, I'm going to go have, through uh, these three and then let me know which one I didn't catch. And maybe we can find that one too. And this may sure. be modern Astrid. Is that one? Uh, yeah. Mo- we got modern Astrid, uh, yeah. cash Collins, win FTN and Murchisange. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we here, here's four of them. We got to catch. We didn't do these last time because we were so busy talking with everybody, but we're going to get into these real fast. We'll get through them as quick as we can. So Murchisange wrote on Apple pod. First of all, all of these are Apple podcasts. If you want to get us to read these in the future, then leave us a review on Apple podcasts. It helps a ton. And five-star ratings are absolutely beneficial on Apple or on Spotify. Um, this one says, this is what has been missing in my life. Oh, I just discovered this bad boy in May 2022, and I have been playing Mass Effect since 2008. OG, OG Mass Effect player. This is awesome. I love the depth of the lore and trying and tying it to the real world as well. Only on episode 12 now, but I love it hard. Thank you guys and keep up the good work. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, And Yen FTN, um, when FTN. I totally messed that up again. Uh, wrote, found my people. My love for Mass Effect only just started when Legendary Edition came out, but very quickly I became enamored with the series. I've already played it through all the way, likely over a dozen times since. Each time I discovered something new I didn't notice before. Even with this podcast, I learned something new each episode since I admittedly don't have the patience to read through all the codex entries. I think Sam might be the only one who does. Um, <laughs> very few people I know in real life enjoy video games and those who do do not play mass effect so to randomly happen across this podcast and interact with fellow mass effect nerds in the community is fantastic and affirming keep on keeping on and keila salai oh thanks so much and then we have uh, cash collins all of these are from the u.s who wrote fantastic lore podcast do you really like mass effect lore have you spent hours or days on the mass effect fandom wiki do you want to hear people focus on the universe of the mass of mass effect rather than game mechanics and technical details do you like amazing people and good vibes and in all caps then listen to the mass effect lore cast I've been playing Mass Effect since I was in high school, 10 plus years. I'm the kind of nerd who focuses on just a few random, a few fandoms so I can learn everything about the detailed universes, spending days on the fandom wikis. Oh, maybe this person also is 
it's you, the two of you. Um, and I just have to say, host N7 The Legend frequently teaches me new things about Mass Effect lore. The analysis he and robots do always leaves me with new things to consider. I cannot recommend this podcast enough. I also can't recommend enough the community that robots has built with N7 and others, the Robots Radio Podcast Network. I recently became a patron of the Mass Effect Lorecast and the Dragon Age Lorecast, another awesome show, with a big announcement for a new game coming out. Been listening since they started the show, and I also joined the Discord. Everyone involved in this podcast and network are just hands down good people. I'm so happy to be part of this community, and I wish I had joined sooner. Whoever's reading this, I think you should. I think you'd really enjoy it too. Kila Salai, Kolka Shins. Oh, Kolka, thank you so much. And then last one here from the Modern Astrid. I'm bad at titles, but this is great. Perfect title. This is a great podcast for casual and diehard Mass Effect fans. I love listening to the factual and philosophical approaches on game lore by both podcasters. I found this podcast on accident while trying to find Dragon Age lore videos, but I'm happy I did. Only problem is I make it's making me super nostalgic for the game, which is connected to my ex's Steam account, not mine, frowny face. At least I have this podcast to fill the Mass Effect hole in my heart until I finally decide to splurge on the Legendary Edition again. Well, Modern Astrid, good news. It goes on sale very often lately since it's already been out for a year. So grab a copy, dive back in, make a new character. And I mean, that's what we all do anyway. We just keep making new characters. So, um, But thank you to everybody for taking the time to leave those reviews. We really appreciate it. And I know we've got a planet card. What planet are we talking about this time? Now we do. Uh, so this is not actually a planet, and yet it got a card. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it is, in fact, the Derelict Reaper from Mass Effect 2. Uh, and this is the place where you go get the IFF so that you can go through the uh, Omega 4 relay. So yeah. here's the card that is attached to it. Orbiting Nemo Sign is a two-kilometer-long ship with the unmistakable profile of a Reaper. It is giving off power signatures in localized areas, but they are far weaker than a ship this size would indicate. The Reaper seems to maintain a mass effect field that has kept it from falling into the failed star. But massive holes have been blasted and melted into parts of the hull and remain unprepared. The only logical conclusion is that the Reaper died, or was at least reduced to a minimal functioning state a long time ago. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for all the reviews. It really does help us. And also come join us on the Discord. We'd love to see you guys in there. All right. Let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. Okay, so back to Anderson. We know that he got command of the Normandy thanks to a loose cannon alliance officer. <laughs> Douchebag. Uh, but, <laughs> like we said before, he, he wasn't in charge very long, right? So, uh, like, not until he was forced into early retirement. Right. Udina and the council basically allowed Saren to gaslight them into thinking Anderson was also this loose cannon alliance officer right. and not in command of his own emotions. Uh, nevertheless, getting command of the Normandy was probably a huge accomplishment for him. Uh, and given what we talked about in the episodes we did on Anderson, uh, losing that command mere months later was yet another kick in the nuts. Anderson had to have thought, yeah, I knew this was too good to be true. I mean, the man was constantly pulled the rung out from under. Uh, 
we hear a certain level of sad clarity when he reflects on this and his command of the Normandy in a separate audio clip, also part of the Citadel DLC uh, in his apartment. And we can listen to that one now. When you said sad clarity, I heard sad trombone. That's just what, <laughs> yeah, my, that's just what my brain did. <laughs> All right, so here's the clip. You know, set sail into the endless black ocean. That line stands out to me. Uh, and you know, maybe because it's so stereotypical of the hopeful romanticism of space exploration, right? Uh, let's see what we can find. Yeah, it's also Shepherd. daunting and spooky all at the same time. Yeah, it's terrifying and yeah. it's wonderful and it's awe-inspiring and it's you know unknown it's 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 that thing where you realize how big everything else is and how small you are and that's both right. amazing and terrible all at the same time yeah and i think i think like we can liken this to our own world uh for those of us who are not space travelers um <laughs> yeah to how do you feel when you visit a big city when you visit New York City, how do you feel? Do you feel terrified? Do you feel in awe? Do you feel like there's a world of limitless possibilities? Or do you feel overwhelmed and insignificant and frightened? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, it was it was just, uh, you know, he, he says, uh, with this crew that's so eager to set sail into this endless black ocean. And I think it kind of f breaks the fourth wall. I mean isn't that part of what so many of us, the players enjoyed about the game? Um, so, so I think that this demonstrates a certain level of self-awareness among the writers and it's cheesy. I know, but, but I love it nonetheless, because when I first picked up this game in 2007, I spent all night exploring. I spent all night going around to different solar systems, uh, because I was just so in awe of the fact that I could be my own astronaut, you mm -hmm. know, and, and an astronaut soldier at that. And I could go, I could control this ship and go to different you know, parts of the galaxy. Yeah. So there was, um, there's always my favorite part of starting a new role-playing game is not knowing where the boundaries are, you know, whether it was yeah. like the first time you played Skyrim and you didn't really know how big Skyrim was and like how, you know, you can see the map, but how, how long does it really take me to get from one place to another? I don't know. You know, how many towns are out there? How many dungeons? I have no idea. Um, same thing for mass effect. Like, there's a big old, big old galaxy out there. 
what are the boundaries? You know, how many places am I going to end up and visit? How flexible is it for me to just choose a new star or new planet and just head out that direction, right? And eventually you learn what those boundaries are. And eventually it, it feels a lot smaller than your imagination made it out to be. But I feel like that's kind of the same thing here. Like, and like we've talked about um, with the mass relays being in only certain locations. And so there are only so many other races that we humanity has run into because they're part of the galactic neighborhood. But there's so much of that galactic neighborhood that's so off the, the main roads that we yes. don't know what else is out there, right? But you don't know yeah. that until it, and it's it's kind of like that actually happens in the game itself. This idea of like, well, I know who the Turians are and who the you know everybody is, but there's still a lot out there that we don't know anything about. And there's a ton of room for the writers to go. Yeah, yeah, but like it 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 works its way into the perspective of the characters themselves as well, not just our perspective in that, but you know somebody like Anderson taking helm of a of a powerful ship, you know, like this going. There's a big, empty, dark, unexplored world out there. Yeah, let's see what we can find. Let's. Who knows what we're going to come across, right? You know, like yeah. nobody expected the Reapers. You don't fear the Reaper. And <laughs> and I'm like heartbroken for Anderson because I can I can sense the palpable level of excitement that Anderson would have had as the commanding officer. And then yet again, it's just ripped away from him. Yeah. Um, and it's not fair. Uh, but Anderson, I think would be the first person to tell us life isn't fair. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. I think so. he's the, he's the poster child for <laughs> life. Life isn't fair guys, but you just got to do the best you can. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and final fun fact, you know, uh, that voice that you hear in the beginning, the very, very beginning of Mass Effect 1, uh, during the character creation, mm -hmm. it says profile reconstruction. Uh, that, that is that the was Normandy. A good, that was a good impression. Oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, at least in my memory, according to my memory of it, but yeah. Yeah. Reconstructing profile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is the Normandy SR1's VI system. And that's like the only time we hear that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also the voice, the same voice actor who voices Rana Thanoptis. Some fans might recognize that voice actor because it is Mark Muir's wife. That's hilarious. Is she so. a voice actress? Like, is, is that like, or is this just like a little side thing she did? Do we know? I think that she's a voice actress, okay. uh, but maybe not. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Let me look up. I'm. I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, shows up in the Mass Effect wiki first. IMDb. Yeah, we have to look at IMDb. Belinda Cornish is her name, uh, and she's an actress and writer known for Tiny Plastic Men, Mass Effect, and Purple Gas. So not not a whole lot. Not a lot, but she has uh, she has like 24 credits listed under her name on IMDb. Mm -hmm. So maybe does something on the side. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's cool. This is one of those things that we talk about when uh, like on the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, when we talk about the Daedric Princes, I always like to pull up their voice actors and look at their IMDb's and stuff. Oh, my God. Shea Gorath's is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. voice actor for Shea Gorath. That's yeah. Wes Johnson. Wes right? Johnson. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does a lot of stuff. He's very popular. He went to a convention recently and dressed up as Shea Gorath. And then um, <laughs> following that, I, I, I watched it happen on Twitter because I follow Twitter. I comment on stuff. And I've actually had the opportunity to interview him on one of the other shows. Um, but then I noticed on Reddit, people were like, 
hey, I ran into Shio Gorath at the grocery store. Here's a picture of us. Because he was out <laughs> at this event as dressed as Shio Gorath, and he must have stopped at some other places, and people recognized him. And That's incredible. Pictures with him. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. I, I would I I would have to ask him to talk about wheels of cheese. Um. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> using your guts to jump rope. Yeah, like all that yes. stuff. Yeah, awesome stuff. Um well, but yeah, that's 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 all we got for this episode. Yeah. So uh, where are we going next time? So I figured this might be an apt uh, transition. I think next week we're going to talk about the pilot of the Normandy, Jeff Joker Moreau. All right. Joker next week coming up. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll message Seth Green. Oh, dude, I can, uh, go for it. Just go. He's for a it. huge fan of Mass Effect. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, chat, thank you for being here. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You got anything you want to talk about before we go? Yeah. As, as I mentioned last week, um, coming up on my Twitch anniversary, going to be celebrating that on Saturday with a Mass Effect stream. Um, maybe some community games as well. Have to gauge interest there. Uh, but I'm doing a raffle and people can enter in for a chance to win a Mass Effect statue, uh, maybe the Normandy or the Mass Effect helmet from the Bioware store. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I haven't decided which one yet, but it's going to be one of those. And basically the way to enter in is by subbing to my Twitch channel or gifting out uh, subs and um, uh, cheering bits. Uh, through Every 300 bits will be considered a, a raffle entry. Uh, and there will be a maximum number of entries per person of three, just to make it fair uh, for people. Nice. So, um, so yeah, if you'd like to come by, watch some Mass Effect, chat with me, and enter the raffle for uh, winning, uh, then you can find me on Twitch at N7TheLegend. Awesome, awesome. And all my stuff, you know, what I got, you guys know what I do. <laughs> all the different lore casts, everything from the Robots Radio Network can be found at robotsradio.net. And just a reminder, we're always looking for new shows, people who want to launch shows, people who want some guidance on how to make a successful podcast. So if that's something you're interested in, then check out the Rocket Club on the website, robotsradio.net. Look up the little Rocket Club link at the top. And um, you're welcome to sign up and join us. We meet every week, and I work with a 15 16 different shows at this point um and how and they're all doing awesome so they're all a big big part of what we do but if you're interested in that go check it out and of course all my other regular shows if you're into other types of lore as well go check those out robotsradio.net all right we'll be back next week talking about joker until then stay safe out there we'll see you guys later Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com.